welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Today, we're going to be back in Romans, and I do feel like before we get into this message, I feel like I need to give you an official warning, so I'll read it here. Listening to this message, you you may begin experiencing any of a number of things, um, dizziness, lightheadedness, shortness of breath, rapid breathing, increased heart rate, decreased heart rate, numbness, tingling in your hands, feet, face, your knees, sweaty palms, dry mouth, and or all of the above, possibly. And should that happen, should that happen at any point, just realize it is probably conviction, and that's okay, let that settle in. And then by the end of the message, I promise um, there will be a healthy dose of the gospel for all of us, and uh, we'll hear some some good news. So are you ready for it? You know what the topic is this afternoon? We're going to be looking at the topic of prayer, and specifically your prayer life and my prayer life. So I just kind of want to see a show of hands, how many of you have a really good prayer life and you feel like there's not much room for improvement? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we all need some help, right? Um, prayer is one of those things that's kind of like recycling. Like everybody thinks it's a great thing to do, but hardly anybody actually does it very well or very often. Um, and so Romans 8 is such a great passage because I think it will encourage us. It's uh, these truths that are in this passage I think will encourage us to to want to pray and to not feel that it's a duty that we need to improve in, but feel that it's something that we can be helped along in. So um, we're just in Romans. We're just going to be looking at two verses this afternoon. And so I'm in Romans 8, 26 and 27, if you want to look at that with me as I read it. Uh, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. All right, so just to to recap where we've been in Romans, we've been walking through Romans. We're in Romans chapter 8, and uh, one theologian has said that if Holy Scripture was a ring, and the epistle to the Romans is its precious stone, then chapter 8 would be the sparkling point of the jewel. And so we are here at the sparkling point of the jewel that is Romans. Um, And the the chapter 8, the whole chapter, is about life in the Spirit. It's about the Spirit-filled life. It's all about how the Spirit of God fills us and gives us hope and help to walk in this life and and hope for the next life. So uh, it's been awesome. So if you look back at two, and you can just kind of follow along with me, but if you look at two, and even, you you know, also, um, I figured this out a while ago, you can underline in your Bibles. For a long time, I was very, I don't know, superstitious or something about writing in Bibles, but you can, you can, you can write all over those things. Like, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, it's perfectly fine. And if you want to underline spirit, how many times spirit shows up in chapter eight, um, I think it's it's going to be eye-opening. But in chapter 8, verse 2, Paul tells us that the Spirit sets us free from sin and death. And then in verse 4, if you jump down, the Spirit helps us walk in righteousness. In verses 5 and 6, the Spirit helps set our minds on the things of the Spirit, on life and peace. 
in verse 9, um, we're told that we are in the Spirit and the Spirit of God dwells within us. In verse 11, uh, there's a promise that the Spirit will raise us from the dead, just like Christ was risen. In verse 13, the Spirit gives us life as we put sin to death in our lives. Um, In verse 14, the Spirit leads us as sons of God. And then in verse 15 and 16, the Spirit bears witness that we are children of God who cry out, Abba, Father. And then last week, if you remember, in verses 18 through 25, we looked at how the Spirit helps us in our suffering by giving us a picture, giving us a view of the hope that is to come in our resurrection life um, and in that new creation, right? So this week, Paul continues with that theme of the light of life in the Spirit, but now we're going to be looking at how the Spirit helps us to pray um, and how that helps us actually in live life, right, and live live in a life that does have a lot of suffering in it. And so this week, we're just going to look at two things, two major points out of these two verses. We're going to look at why the Spirit helps us in prayer and then how the Spirit helps us in prayer. So just two things. And I definitely need to pray before we begin. So, Father, we are so thankful um, just for everyone that you have brought here. I'm thankful for those, um, Lord, that are here week after week, and I pray for those that are here week after week that this would not just be another Sunday, but that they would really hear from you and that they would know that they're hearing from you. I, I pray for any of those that you've, you've brought back here after um, a long absence, Lord. Um, I know that you have brought them here to hear you, and I pray that that would happen. Pray for any visitors that are here, Lord. Pray for anyone that might be here that uh, may not know you yet. I pray that they would um, just feel that they have heard from you. Pray for the kids that are in service, Lord. I pray that they would uh, hear from you also, Lord, and and that all of us as, as children of God, as your children, would hear you speak to us as a father. I pray, Lord, that anything that is true and good and beautiful, um, we would know that it's coming from you and your word. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right, so take a look at verse 26. So again, just two verses this afternoon. Verse 26 starts out with the word likewise. So Paul says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. And This whole section of chapter 8 is about the Christian solution to pain and suffering. Did you catch that? If you look back at verse 18, which Eric preached on last week, it says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy, are not worth comparing with the glory that is being revealed to us. So that whole section is all about the Christian solution to pain and suffering. And, and, And even this week, Paul continues with that thought and we're looking at how, how do we pray in that life, in this life of pain and suffering that, we've, that we all experience. And if you're, if you're here or you're listening and, um, you know, I, I won't assume that everyone's a Christian in this room or, um, you know, there may be people who, who you may be here, you may consider yourself an atheist or agnostic. Um, and I have friends that are atheists and agnostic. And this is a major hurdle right, um, this problem of pain and suffering. And I have friends that think kind of like um, there's, there's a well-known atheist, Stephen Fry, who a few years ago, you may have heard this, um, he was asked by a reporter, what would you say if you were confronted by God at the pearly gates? 
So this is what he says. He says, I'd say bone cancer in children? What's that about? How dare you? How dare you create a world in which there is such misery that is not our fault? It's not right. It's utterly, utterly evil. Why should I respect a capricious, mean-minded, stupid God who creates a world that is so full of injustice and pain? That's what I would say. So that's what this atheist says. And I, I mean, that's pretty raw, but I think it's real. Also, that is a problem. That is a stumbling point for a lot of people. And the problem, though, with the problem of evil, <laughs> the problem with the problem of evil is that a lot of my atheist friends they don't have an answer for it. I say, okay, what's a better answer then? And a lot of answers sound something like uh, a that's just how it is type answer. It's very similar to the really famous one that uh, answer that Richard Dawkins gives to this problem of pain and suffering. He says, in a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, you won't find any rhyme or reason to it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties that we should expect if there is at bottom. No design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. Essentially, it's an argument that I don't believe in a God that allows evil, and by the way, I don't believe in evil either. It just doesn't really work. And one of the reasons why I trust the Bible is because the Bible gives a much better gives much better answers, I should say, many answers, to the problem of suffering without just completely discounting it, right? We know that the Bible teaches that sin causes human suffering and God has a solution for it. Not only did he send his son to be that solution, but he helps us here. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. That's what we're going to look at this week. That's what we looked at last week, that the Spirit fills us so that we can live this life and look forward to that future glory. And so verse 26, Paul's continuing with that thought that likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And so first we're going to look at what, why do we need help? Well, the text tells us that we need help because we're weak, right? So verse 26 says, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I think last year <laughs> has shown me, and I know a lot of you also, um, that I have a lot of weaknesses, and the Greek word here for weakness isn't, isn't just um, like deficiencies in character. Um, it's more than that. It's just being, uh, it's the condition of being human and being weak and being not in control. Have you guys thought this last year that things are out of control <laughs> and especially out of our control? And, you know, we're, we're in a position that we can't control disease or death or pain or suffering or tragedy or really anything at all, and we've really figured that out. And so what's been interesting is this last year, I think in this last year, there has been a reflex towards prayer, and it's actually been studied. There was a um, University of uh, Copenhagen, Copenhagen? There, there's actual research on this that, um, this is the abstract from, from this research, they found that in times of crisis, humans have a tendency to turn to religion for comfort and explanation. As they did a 2020 COVID, uh, the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic is no exception. Using daily data on Google searches for 95 countries, this research demonstrates that the COVID-19 crisis has increased Google searches for prayer relative to all Google searches to the highest level ever recorded. 
more than half of the world population prayed to end the coronavirus. <laughs> Prayer searches rose at all incomes of level, inequality, and insecurity. Um, and the increase is not merely a substitute for services in physical churches that closed down to, the, to limit the spread of the virus. Instead, the rise is due to an intensified demand for religion. We pray to cope with adversity. And so there seems to be this reflex that's built into humans um, where even, I mean, there's even other research I was looking at where it, even atheists have a reflex towards prayer, um, even if they don't really, they would say they don't believe in God. And and I think there's, we're built with this reflex, and yet there's a lot of weakness. Uh, we, we feel our own weakness in that. And so we we need help in our weakness. We also need help because we don't know what to pray for, right? So if you look back at verse 26, Paul tells us here, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So um, we're not in control. He helps us in our weakness. We also don't know, uh, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. And so if you look throughout Scripture, there are a lot. there's a lot of ways to know what to pray for. So what's Paul talking about right here? If he says, we don't know what we're supposed to pray for. Well, I can tell you some things to pray for. You know, and I was I was looking through just in the New Testament actually. There's so many things throughout the New Testament that you could actually flip open your Bible and at some point there's going to be someone praying and you could pray for those same things. So in Matthew 6, Jesus tells us to pray that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done. We know that the Lord's prayer. 2 Thessalonians 3 tells us to pray that the gospel would speed ahead and be honored. You could pray for that. Jesus tells us to pray for, uh, that the Holy Spirit would be given. That's in Luke 11. Paul tells us to pray later on in Romans, in Romans 10, um, that God would save uh, the unbelieving, that he would save unbelievers. We could pray for that. Paul tells us to pray at all times in the Spirit with the armor of God, remember, in Ephesians 6, so you could pray for that. James encouraged us to, uh, in, in James 5 to pray fervently for signs and wonders like Elijah did. So you could pray for that. You could pray for the healing of the sick in James 5. In Mark 9, we're told to pray, uh, that some prayer can drive out demons. You can pray for that. I'm going to keep going through this list just because I love it. All right? You guys are like, okay, is that enough? No. Prayer is what's in, in Acts 16 is what set um, Paul and Silas free while they were in prison. Peter prayed and raised Tabitha from the dead in Acts 9. You could pray that the dead would be risen. Jesus told us to pray for our daily bread, that we wouldn't fall into temptation. This is back in the Lord's Prayer, right? Forgiveness, protection from evil. James tells us to pray for wisdom. You could pray for that. Paul uh, prayed and fasted to appoint elders in Acts 14. You could pray for, for leaders. Jesus told us to pray for laborers in the harvest in Matthew 9. Jesus prayed for the unity of the church in John 7 in that high priestly prayer. Um, you could pray for that. Paul prayed over and over again. If you read any of the beginning or end of his letters, he talks about how he's praying for these churches. He prayed um, that the Thessalonian church would be encouraged face-to-face -face as they met face-to-face. -face. He prayed for discernment, the knowledge of God's will, an increase in the knowledge of God, power to comprehend the love of Christ, and assured hope for strength and endurance, that we would be worthy of God's calling in 2 Thessalonians, that we would do good works. So, that's a pretty comprehensive list, right? <laughs> That's a lot 
that we could be praying for. So why does Paul here say, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought? I think what happens is, and what Paul's getting at at here, is that there are times in our lives where we have no idea what to pray for. It's not true. So you're praying with somebody, should we pray that God would heal their sickness or give them the strength to endure it? What do you pray for? Do you pray, when you're praying with somebody, do you pray that God would give them courage to stand up uh, if they're being wronged or the patience to bear it? What do you pray for? You know, somebody comes to you and their relationships are breaking down. Do you pray, uh, you know, a a relationship is is broken. Do you pray to mend a relationship or do you pray for the power to forgive, but, you know, maybe they should move on at this point? You know, for, for those of us that are single, do you pray that God would bring you a spouse or do you pray that you would just be content in your singleness? Do you pray that God would bless you in this new job opportunity or do you pray that he would give you contentment in the job that you're at, in the place that you're at? It's hard to know, right, sometimes. Should we pray to stay or pray to go? What's the song? Should I say or should I go? Um, no, it's hard to tell a lot. And in fact, uh, John Bunyan wrote a book called Advice to Sufferers. And in it, he said, you know, he, he gave some, some advice here. He said, you may do in this as is in your heart. If it is in your heart to fly, fly. I love how he writes that, right? Go. Um, if it's in your heart to stand or stay, stay. Anything but is a denial of the truth. He that flies has warrant to do so. He that stands has warrant to do so. Yes, the same man may both fly and stand as the call and working of God in his heart may be. Moses fled, Moses stood. David fled, David stood. Jeremiah fled, Jeremiah stood. Christ withdrew himself, Christ stood. Paul fled, Paul stood. Um, So there's different times, and a lot of times it's hard to know exactly what we should pray for. And that's what Paul's getting at here. What do we do in those times? Well, he tells us in verse 26, he says, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So when we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit's right there to help us out. I kind of like to think of it as, you know, parents can relate, right? Um, as, as we're teaching our kids how to pray, a lot of times we'll say, hey, why don't you pray for, I don't know, grandma? <laughs> and then they're like, I don't know how to do that. And you say, okay, you say this, say this, say this. That's, that's what Paul's getting at here. The Spirit is help, helping to carry us along when we don't exactly know how to pray. We don't know what we should pray for. And so, that's what we're going to look at, going to look at now, and, and Paul goes into specifics on that. How does the Spirit help us in prayer? So that's point number two, how the Spirit helps us in prayer. Why does the Spirit help us? Because we're weak and we don't know what to pray for. How does he help us in prayer now? And that's the second, the second part of verse 26 says, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And that word intercedes is just pray, prayer. Right, so the Spirit is praying for us. And these groanings, it's important to talk about the groanings that Paul's talking about here. Some people may think, and you may think, on initially reading it, oh, is that 
Oh, is that praying in tongues? Is that some kind of like sounds that are coming out? And is that a reference to the spiritual gift of tongues? Probably not. There are other places that talk about tongues that would be much better passages. This is probably not talking about tongues. And there's a few reasons for that. First off, this is a completely different word that's used nowhere else. It's not the word that describes tongues in other New Testament texts. The groanings here also are for all Christians, right? All Christians that are filled uh, with the Spirit, not just those with the gifts of tongues. And also, the gift of tongues is described in other texts as an audible language um, that should be interpreted, right? That's not what's going on here. And then even if, you know, in 1 Corinthians 14, it does describe a kind of a private prayer language, but it's a language. It's not just groans. It wouldn't be described that way. It's not the same thing. So what are these groanings then? What are these groanings? And I want to I want to take you back a little bit to last week and the passage from last week because this is not the first time that groans show up. It's not the second time. It's actually the third time in a very short amount of time. So if you look back in 8:22 verse 22 says for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So creation groans. You can circle that in your Bible too. It's okay. It's fine. Just go go for it. All over. And then if you jump down to verse 23, and not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we're filled with the Spirit, and yet we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. So we groan. So creation grows, we groan. And then again, in uh Verse 27, our verse for today, it says, and he who searches hearts. No, sorry, uh, verse 26. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So the question is, what are those groans? Who are the, who, who's groaning here? And if we look back, it looks like creation, which includes us, and then us specifically are doing the groaning. And then the Spirit's good. He's, he's, he's not groaning. We're, we're the ones groaning, and he's the one that is, is, is with us in that. And so one of the theologians puts it this way. He says, these groanings are the inaudible, inexpressible longings that arise in every believer's heart to do and know the will of God. Have you felt that? God searches the hearts of believers and finds unutterable longings to conform their lives to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit takes your groanings and presents them before God in the form of an articulate prayer. Even though you cannot specify your requests to God adequately, since you don't know his will, the Holy Spirit translates your groanings and conforms them to God's will. Amen? That's awesome. I mean, doesn't that just one does it doesn't that make you want to pray right now? <laughs> it's like, okay, let's just close it down. Let's just spend some time praying. I won't do that. But yeah, how encouraging is that to pray? That when you don't know what to say, the spirit identifies with your deep emotions, carries that to the Father, and prays according to the will of God. And that's what verse 27 says. And he, God, who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Here, Paul wants to give us even a stronger guarantee 
that our prayers are going to be heard by God and that those prayers with the Spirit's help can be in line with God's will. That's really cool too. So again, um, here it is, is just kind of really fleshed out, explained. So since the Spirit intercedes in, according, in accord with God's will, His prayers are always answered. Spirit's prayers are always answered. Right? The Spirit's not going to pray for something that God doesn't answer. The prayers of believers are not always answered affirmatively since we don't always know what God's will is. By contrast, the Spirit's prayers are always answered with a yes precisely because he always prays in accordance with God's will. We should take tremendous encouragement that the will of God is being fulfilled in our lives despite our weakness and inability to know what to pray for. Amen. The deepest longings of our heart are to accomplish the will of God and the Spirit's ministry is to take those desires straight to God in prayer. So no wonder next week, next week's the verse you guys are all waiting for, right? No wonder all things are working out for our good if the Spirit is effectively praying for us to accomplish um, the will of God. Amen? So I hope that these two verses are a great encouragement that you can go back to these verses when you know you feel a little bit dried up in your prayer life. Because this passage shows us that we are weak. We're in need of prayer. And we often don't know what to pray for. Um, but the Spirit's right there to help us. Um, and the Spirit prays God's will for us when we don't know what that might be. And this is extremely practical. I mean, even for like today. So we're going to end up wrapping this up. And you guys know that that the end of the service isn't the end of the service. <laughs> when the music stops here, um, it's just the beginning for a lot of you to be able to use your gifts and to be able to serve others. And you may be talking with somebody, and um, this has happened, where somebody drops something on you, and you're like, wow, I, I don't know what to pray for for you. But let's pray. You know, and, and you could pray something like this where you just say with that person, you say, you're praying to the Lord and you say, you know, Lord, I can't imagine going through this situation, the pain that this may be causing, but you say that your spirit helps in our weakness, right? I admit, I don't know what to pray for, and I pray that you, spirit, would feel my, my brother or sister's pain and heartbreak, that you would turn our groanings into a prayer according to the will of God. You know? And you could pray for those other things too. You could pray, James 1, that you'd be given wisdom. You could pray for so many things. But it's okay to say, I don't know what to pray for. Uh, Spirit, fill me, help me. And I promised at the beginning of the message that we would end with a healthy dose of gospel. And so as I was um, looking through this passage, I can think of no better example of groaning in prayer than Jesus himself, right? And there's a picture of this that we get in the Garden of Gethsemane. So in Mark 14, starting at verse 32, it says, And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, 
My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, why are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter temptation. Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I think, you know, a lot of us can identify with Peter, right? In that, God says pray, (laughs) and we fall asleep. You know, we fall asleep at the wheel, we fall asleep at the most critical time, and yet Jesus is praying. And if you notice how he's praying, he's praying in a very Romans 8 way right? So he, he admits his, his weakness, right? The, the weakness that he put on um, when he put on human flesh. He says, my, Jesus says, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. And, and, and then Jesus allows the Spirit, he's a Spirit-filled man just like you and I can be. Jesus allows the Spirit to intercede according to the will of God, right? He prays, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. That sounds a lot uh, like what Paul's here. Paul here is saying when he says, and the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God, right? According to God's will. And then what would happen is just hours later, Jesus would drink the cup of God's wrath on the cross, right? The cup that was meant for you and for me. And that cup was meant that his broken body and shed blood on our behalf um, was for all of our sins, including all of our failures, all of our, our pathetic prayer life that you know, we were so embarrassed of. Right? Communion reminds us that we rely on Jesus' righteousness and not our own. And so that's what we're going to go into right now. We're going to spend some time reflecting on that because Communion also reminds us that God is a really good father. Amen? So it's just a few verses later in Romans. Paul's going to tell us in in Romans uh, 8.32, he says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give all things? What an encouragement to pray, right? If God hasn't withheld his own son, he's not going to withhold anything else that we need. And these words really echo um, the words of Jesus in Matthew 7 when he talks about prayer. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then know who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Amen? Father, we're so thankful that you invite us into this very close relationship with you uh, through prayer. And we're so thankful that even when we don't know how to pray in the way that we should Um, Lord, that your spirit is there filling us and pointing us to your will 
and even praying for us, interceding for us according to your will. And we pray that this would just uh, encourage us all the more to pray um, and to spend time with you. Uh, we pray in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.